Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the Middult that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. This podcast has been brought to you by the gut supplement Simprove. Hey everybody, what's your gut feeling? Do you feel sparkly and sassy and raring to go? Or do you feel like a weak old balloon sagging in the corner? If the bounce has been bashed out of you, it might be time to think about your gut. More and more, doctors and scientists everywhere are having that conversation, and increasingly, they are finding that it affects everything. Your gut microbiome is a vast ecosystem with bacteria as diverse as the Amazon rainforest. These bacteria break down food and help your body to detoxify, support the immune system, and can affect energy levels as well as mental health. But along with all the virtuous and hard-working bacteria, who are upstanding members of the gut community, lurk the gangsters. Yeasts, fungi and viruses. So if you're not feeling so hot, those hoodlums could be running all sorts of crime rings inside you. The good news is that research has now shown that composition of the gut microbiome can change if you give it a bit of love. Which is why we are delighted that this podcast is brought to you by the gut supplement Simprove. I swear by Simprove. It just makes me feel bouncier, more optimistic, less flat. Skin, digestion, it's all happening. Simprove is a water-based supplement that comes in three flavours. You knock back a cheeky shot every morning and all those live and active bacteria storm heroically from mouth to gut and start to multiply and produce food to nourish the good bugs, the ones that cheer us up and perk us up. Everybody who knows about this stuff knows that Simprove is the best of its kind. And we have an offer for you, a 50% discount off the first three months of the flexible subscription for UK customers. We did the maths and that means £24.99 a month for the first three months and then £49.99 from the fourth month onwards. The subscription can be cancelled at any time. Go to simprove.com forward slash the midult and the code is capital letters midult50. Simprove for all your gut feelings. Hello, I'm Annabelle and I'm absolutely fine, but I woke up the other morning, obviously about 4 a.m., And it became immediately clear to me that I needed a hip replacement. There was something very, very wrong in that general area. (laughs) (laughs) And as I sort of lolloped, that's the wrong word. I don't know what the right, to the loo, of course, inevitably at 4am across the room. I had this sort of weird rolling Quasimodo limp. And and I'd done something to myself. And, you know, of course I did what I always do, which is just wait a few days to see if it just sort of goes away or falls off. And it neither fell off nor went away. So um, I took my hip to the osteopath, which is also unheard of. I just don't make those kinds of appointments. (laughs) And he said, ah, this is quite common. People often confuse their bums for their hips. Your hip is fine, but you have sprained or strained. I can't remember and I don't know the difference. Basically a gluteal muscle. (laughs) Basically, I broke my bum. Somehow, I think in a Pilates class showing off. (laughs) I broke my bum. You broke your bum. Yeah, oh and it was, it's quite sore having a broken bottom, I have to tell you. I, I was bet re- it is. really limpy for about five days. Anyway, it's better now, you'll be pleased to hear. My bottom is fixed for now. Oh, I'm so pleased that your bottom is fixed. Everything always has to have for now on the end of me. <laughs> I just want to apologise to listeners because I'm really finding you really funny today. Oh, God. I'm not finding anything funny today. I'm so sick of the 4 a.m.ers. Anyway, good. Thank Um, you, I suppose I should say. That's okay. Uh, I'm Emily and I'm absolutely fine, but I have been invited to a 50th, which starts at 9pm. Stop it. They're all on cocaine. uh, Yeah. What are they on? (laughs) I think that's a convergence of... A few horror things, money, 
you know, obviously a 50th, you have to buy a present, you have to get dressed, you have to go out. Presumably we have to go out for dinner beforehand. Because, yes, because you'll mean, never leave the house do? at 8.45. <laughs> exactly, why would I do that? I'd be so settled into whatever. Also ageing, because people are now, this is the first of my 50ths, but presumably not the last. <laughs> the obvious lateness of something starting at 9pm, which means that you can't really respectfully leave until at least, 11.30, she says optimistically. Oh, God. It's an absolute fuck-tangle of also, horror. Yes, well, I was going to say getting dressed. But yes, you're right. It's a fuck-tangle. Well, I saw on Instagram the other day, it's a professor had, had posted, I think on Twitter maybe, I can't remember, that, that one of their students had invented a word, fuck-tangular, to describe a situation much like this that's complicated and messy in multiple unpleasant and difficult ways. <laughs> Um, and, and, and it got Emily and me thinking about sort of emotional geometry, you know, because, <laughs> you know, feelings maths is the only maths that we're any good at, really. You know, and, and feelings, I suppose if you, if you put them in a, in a, under the geometric umbrella, they, they may be acute, they may be obtuse, but they are rarely right. Oh, very good. That's so good. That needs a triangle. Ding! <laughs> Okay, so um, how about a parallelosham? It's a sham. How does that work? So imagine two lines of emotions running parallel with each other. One is how you genuinely feel. Yeah, so like the one side of the track running parallel, um, which is sort of angry, hurt, devastated, furious, hungry, tired. Did I say hungry again? <laughs> uh, abandoned, miserable, all of those feelings. And the other one is the one, the line that goes on pretending that we're just pretending to be fine. Oh, I see. Welcome to the parallel sham. Yes, yes, we operate on two different levels, two different speeds. Yes, Emily started trying to make me think about vertices, <laughs> which is... We were trying to, I, I don't have the right kind of brain for this, but I suppose it's when decision X meets decision Y in a graphic geometric disaster. And you can see clearly plotted all the poor decisions you've made in neat little lines and corners of shame. Like that time, Emily, when you sat on a pub bench and you realised you'd slept with everyone else sitting on it. It's exactly, exactly <laughs> like that. That was a vertical There's no other word. It was also a fuck-tangular, um, literally. And I probably behaved in a parallel shamic way and, uh, and said I was fine about this fact. There were like five people, by the way, sitting on it. It isn't just like, it wasn't just a pub bench with just me and another person who I happened to be going out with. No, no, it was way worse than that. Anyway, what about oblonging? Uh, the oblonging. That makes so me this think is... of a sort of strange shaped hole in our souls. Yeah, yeah, that you want to fill, but like you don't know what on earth would fit in it because is it square? Is it round? No, it's oblong. Oblonging. Which is so nice to say. Oblong, oblong. is nice to say, yeah. <laughs> um, and, then, and then to continue on the geometric theme, um, there's the idea of being isolated. Yeah, you see, it's a triangle of sadness. It's the very shape of loneliness where everything is so acute that you just have to withdraw and be alone for a long time. And, it, and, and at some point, when you're sitting in your isolation, you're confronted by your very own personal regret tangle. Oh, yes. I'm, yeah. often, I'm often confronted with a regret tangle. I mean, every minute of every day, it's when you, you look <laughs> over your shoulder and you're confronted with your entire past. Like the pub bench. This is all basically yes. about me and all yes. the people I've slept with, basically. God. Every, every shitty sh decision. 
<laughs> exactly, Emily. The concertina of your bad choices that have led you into the dark, cold, angry corner you now find yourself in. What about a Vexagon? Yeah, this is probably more, more my speed than yours. <laughs> okay. So what it's, is it? It's, well, it's about anger and fury. <laughs> <laughs> it's a six-angle emotional shape. Yeah, so you can be pissed off in six different ways, presumably, about six different things at any one time. Just vex. Vexed. You're a one-woman multi-vex. A multi-vex is another great word. It's like, ooh, let's go to the multi-vex. <laughs> I live in the multi-vex. <laughs> let's have some popcorn while we watch us all implode in different angry vibes. Um, okay, what about depressometry? Well, presumably that is all the different angles through which you can view your own sadness. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like terrible 3D glasses. Yeah, yeah. I, and like, presumably that happens mostly at 4am. Which is why you keep waking up at 4am. You think because of all the depression and the vexation and the regret. I mean, you know, probably, but I don't feel that when I wake up. The problem is not the, you know, the anxiety or the misery. The problem is just the awake. Yeah. But that's yeah, a whole nother story. The being awake. And it does infect everything, doesn't it? It makes you sort of slightly hate everything and everyone. Yes, yes. You have to be careful with all this stuff because it does. It slips easily into, into hating everything and, and, and everyone. I mean, you were talking about this the other day because you generally love reading, right? I love reading, but I was reading quite a difficult book. And I, I knew it was really, really good. I'm not going to mention it, but I knew that it was a really good book and it had been recommended by someone who I really like. And, and I knew exactly what it was doing and it was so clever, but I, I was absolutely hate reading it. I was so happy when it was finished. Yeah, it's funny because reading's meant to be soothing, isn't it? Or if not soothing, then inspiring or interesting or, I mean, even horrifying. But you're not really meant to read with, with tension or low-level disgust. I mean, you know, a book that you, you just don't enjoy. Yeah, no, exactly. And a book that you sort of, you know, that you don't want to read, but you just are reading it. And you can't quite, I mean, you know, there's lots of people would say to you, stop hate reading. <laughs> you know, there's well, no, yeah. not enough books in the world or not enough time left in the world for you to read books that you don't like. But sometimes you just have to. Well, I mean, but the point is really is that life is too short to read stuff you hate because you'll never have time to read all the stuff that you might love. And yet here yeah. we find ourselves reading things that... You know, the characters are assholes in a boring, cliched way, not a monstrous, not a monstrous, stirring way. Um, you know, or maybe it's a columnist and you violently disagree with that columnist, but they're not there to shout at. You wouldn't shout at them anyway because you're too sort of, you know, closed down. Um, and you're not the sort of person who violently disagrees in the comments section. So you then have to reabsorb your own crossness. Although sometimes that, that the act of hate reading a columnist is quite pleasurable. Like you're sitting there going, I'm hating, I'm hating the act of this. But it's sort of it's sort of giving me a little bit of an adrenaline spike. Yeah, that's probably the point, isn't it? Of having you know, certain columnists, you know, operational at any time. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so it's a sort of the act of hate reading becomes in itself. a. I think we do that quite a lot, don't we? We sort of get a, a kick out of hating something. I mean, I don't really hate read because I, I mean, I, I, I'll put the I'll put the book down if I'm not enjoying it. Are you, you you're much more dutiful about seeing things through generally. But I mean, but I do hate watch, which okay. is, you know, it's like hate reading, but it's just lazier because you don't have to meet a screen halfway in the same way that you have to meet the written word with your imagination. You don't have to fill in any gaps. So you can just slump on the sofa, scowling at something boring and awful and ugly. Okay, controversially, I hate watched the first two series of Bridgerton. I thought it was terrible. I thought the dialogue was terrible. I thought the costumes were hideous. I thought the plot was absurd. <laughs> I loathed it. I watched it and I'll watch the next one. <laughs> I love that about you. 
You're but, literally the only person I know who, who didn't like Bridgerton. Or you're the only person watching. I know who loves that about me. Uh, um, do you, I tell you what I do the other, as well, in the hate masters liking? Yes, exactly. Is I hate like on Instagram. We, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who said that she had decided to, every time she got a negative feeling from someone's Instagram post, she unfollowed them. Um, who was she left and, with? Yes, National Geographic. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yes, and fuck I'm, off with your holiday or your breakfast or your perfect child or your wedding photos or your interior shots or your selfie or your blossom. Or, you know, but you like them all anyway. Yeah, exactly. You find yourself just going, oh, 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 as you like, 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 like. You like them all and you send thumbs up and hearts and stars and everybody does it, right? I mean, everybody does it. I know. And in the end, you know that this feeling of hate says more about <laughs> you than it does about them. They're doing nothing wrong. It's just nothing. our jealousy and business. We, as ever, are the problem, and then we hate more. Exactly. And also, I don't want anyone to know that I, I in any way hate anything. God forbid. Yeah, exactly. That That'd be very off-brand for you, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So hate-liking sits quite nicely. Anyway, any other hate activities that we do? Hate eating? This is disgusting, and I hate it. But this I'm going to eat it anyway. The time. I know yeah. this happens to me all the time because I hate cooking. <laughs> you have had the same lunch for four years. Which is I'm bread trying and to cucumber. hack into my lunch. I know, exactly. I've like, And so I just eat it and I hate it. But I eat it anyway. The bread is shit. The cheese is yucky. The biscuit is stale. The apple is woolly. Oh, I hate woolly apples. I know, but I'm eating sad. it anyway because there's nothing else in the stupid fridge and I didn't have lunch because <laughs> I mistimed like a late you know, ill-advisedly huge breakfast. And now I need something to plug the howling void inside me. This is not it. This woolly apple is not going to plug that howling void, but I'm eating it anyway. I know. The other thing that we do, and I think this is just a hangover from COVID, is the hate walk. Stupid mental health walk for my <laughs> stupid mental health. And also now it just constitutes the, pretty much the only exercise I do. <sighs> well, because if you're going to break your bottom in Pilates, then where, yeah. where you know? It's a risky business, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I hate walking with the stupid weather. The stupid weather. Is it ever mm. going to stop raining, Annabelle? I mean, freezing and then sweating. Stupid trainers that are giving me a blister, even though they're like three years old. And I swear that's a bunny and I can feel great. <laughs> oh, dear. Stupid dogs everywhere. Okay, uh, then, I can't uh, say that. And then that moment when you think, oh, Jesus, that's someone I know. So you, you stare at your phone, stare at your phone, stare at your phone. You're fooling I no just one. point, exactly. I think I've said this before on the podcast. I just point at my headphones. Sorry, pointing at my headphones. I don't know, maybe, maybe it actually looks like I'm going, I'm going mad. You know? <laughs> it's like pointing at my head. I'm going mad. I'm sorry, leave me alone. And you realise you're only hot, you're what, a third of the way around your stupid walking loop and everything aches. And you just wonder why you didn't go back to bed for an hour instead. Do you think I got vertigo because of just walking around the park over and around again? Well, three times around your park every I've just day. Sent my, I've just sent my body into a kind of like permanent spin. It's okay, here's a radical thought. Why don't you try walking in the other direction? <laughs> yeah, have fun. you ever done that? Have you ever walked the other way around? <laughs> Can I tell you, I have done it a couple of times and I've bumped into people that I actually like walking with. And, um, and, and it, does, it does actually feel super weird. It does feel like I'm doing it wrong. And, and, and my dog looks at me like, are you okay? <laughs> but, I mean, you do always feel like you're doing something wrong, don't you? Oh, I think this is why, this is why um, I'm sort of more and more flooded with feeling of, or projecting the hate. Do you know what I mean? Because I just am full of kind of self-loathing all the time. Oh, so you're going to flip it and send it outwards? <laughs> yeah, nice of me, huh? 
hate making yourself up. Oh, yeah. You just think, oh, my awful face. I want to stay in my bedroom <laughs> with my awful face and my even more awful body. But no, I have to make a living or like exist in the world. So I'll have to somehow make myself palatable. Uh, you know, so the people that I work with or, or see don't run screaming. And so you think, oh, tinted moisturiser, I can't be fucked. A bronzer who cares if it's blended stupid mascara. And then you look up, you think, do I look better than I did before? Who knows? But maybe I look a bit less the way I feel on the inside. So that's got to be good. That's got to be good. I tell you, and then for me as well, it's the hate cleansing. It's like, yes. oh God, now it's time to take the stupid makeup that I stupidly put on. And <laughs> I really don't, I just that off. Why can't I just leave it, you know, forever to encrust on my stupid skin? Sometimes I feel so, just so tired that even the act of like cleansing feels like an impossibility, yeah. which is so mad. So you want to leave um, it on layers and layers or for years and years, but no, you can't because that is not what semi-functional human people do. I know, so you get out the, ugh, the gel or the balm or the micellar water, or the soap bar or whatever cream I've managed to kind of find somewhere and I will rub and then I will take a good long naked look at myself in the mirror. Hmm. Oddly, I often like my face better all clean and naked. I mean, it could be because the bathroom light is off. But at the end of the day, I feel better when it's off than when it was all on. Yes, but also I've taken out out my contact lenses so I definitely look better <laughs> like a hundred percent did I tell you the other day I put both my contact I put my contact lenses on twice yes and I was like ah I can't see anything it's terrible honestly ah oh. and the other thing we do and this is obviously pertinent to my I'm absolutely fine where I said I was going to a 50th is that we hate accept hate accepting I don't want to sure. go but I will I'm not sure that the, the button on the diary should say accept i think it should maybe say like consent defeat rather than accept because (laughs) we don't really really (laughs) accept the fact that we have to turn up and bring i mean if not our best selves then our broadly tolerable selves to this thing we're not happy about it we've not found a place of acceptance within ourselves about it (laughs) Um, you know also is it even okay that someone else is allowed to put things in our diary Uh, or allowed to attempt to put things in our diary shouldn't that be classed as some kind of assault I know, exactly. Like, slipping into someone's diary is just like a criminal act. Yeah. I mean, it takes the tiniest little trigger. It can be, you know, something as, as nice as an invitation to trigger us into this sort of hate-filled place. I mean, hate's a big word, but micro-hate. We talk a lot about triggers, don't we? You know, I suppose they're the tiny stabs that poke at the, the heart of a regret or a fear or a grief or a, an old resentment, and they prick us. And we either take the punch and plough on, or if you're me, you then have to try to decelerate a spiral. So it's sort of plummet downwards into the primordial swamp of old or early or unresolved feelings. And sometimes you can pivot from merry to to murderous in a nanosecond, and then you're angry or you're sad. But then you can't identify the trigger that sent you there. And I think it's why so many of us feel so irritable so much of the time, or guilty if you're like Emily, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we stumbled the other day on the concept of glimmers. I mean, even the idea of glimmers is gently soul-warming. Glimmers are the exact opposite of triggers. They are tiny moments of joy that spark an inner calm. Micro-moments that, instead of sending us downwards or sideways, send us upwards, perk us up, pick us up. Yeah, the, the thing about us... glimmers is they have the potential to make us feel safe, which is really big, rather than anxious and imperiled. And uh, having had a little, you know, a little look into this, tiny look into this, 
they have a soothing effect on our nervous systems. So they neutralize the flight or fight state in which so many of us exhaustingly exist. And they are tiny gifts that keep on giving because if we allow ourselves to acknowledge the flickers of joy or hope, imagine that, then our body will respond. And we could possibly, eventually, maybe with practice, find ourselves in a virtuous circle rather than the familiar vicious cycle. I mean, it can be easier to just recognise the bad stuff, to only admit the micro threats into our system, because stupidly that can feel safer than seeing the lovely things. But seeing glimmers and looking for glimmers and welcoming glimmers is surely a muscle activation that we could strengthen, a Pilates for the spirit. Yeah, and less risky than the sort of Pilates that I do, clearly. <laughs> I, I suspect that happy people see, see the world for all its glimmers rather than its triggers. So it's got to be worth a go. Uh, and then I suppose... The lesson for me would be if I if I sense a glimmer, if I think there might be one there, allowing it to land. I mean, is this just Eckhart Tolle by another name? Or you could call it glimmer therapy. So you set an intention to notice the sparks. You know, for example, you know, those golden tiny moments like when people find you funny and you're not even trying. I mean, obviously, we're all inveterate people pleasers and we try really hard to be funny a lot of the time and to be lovable and all of that stuff. But if we were to somehow transcend to the next level, people finding you funny when you're just being yourself and you're not being like a performance person. You know, there are peals of laughter and you didn't even know you were making a joke. That's joyful, no? Totally joyful. That's why I said to you at the beginning of this podcast recording that I fi- I'm finding you really funny today. I know, well, you'll be no really funny. way allowed that to land. I just thought there's something <laughs> wrong with you. Because <laughs> there's clearly something wrong with me. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, um, I've got another glimmer. I really like this glimmer concept because we talk so much about triggers. Yeah. Don't we? Yeah. And we've also spent half the podcast talking about, about how we hate everything. So here we go. Exactly. Here's another glimmer. Change of direction. When you put your hand in your pocket and you feel the rustle of something papery, and when you yeah. pull it out, it isn't an old mask. Ugh. It's actually a tenor. Joy alert! Yes, because a few years it was just a revolting sort of slightly makeup encrusted stinky old mask. But before that, <laughs> oh, the joy of finding money in your pocket. I think I should go around planting any fibres that I can spare in the pockets of jackets and coats just to try and to manufacture this moment. And there should be lots of, well, there should be technically lots of joys pinging all over the place because the weather is changing and people are getting out of their kind of non-winter coats because of the sunshine which i have to tell you actually gives me joy yeah it also gives you skin cancer so good luck with that <laughs> so okay sorry but, to be worthy and but, uh are you gonna are even you gonna when i find apologize? like an old lip gloss or something uh, in a pocket or you know an old hair you know, even if i find a hairband in the pocket of a jacket i still feel like the jacket's given me a present also when i find this just happens to me quite a lot my keys <laughs> uh, yes and then you've gone to the stupid key place to kind of get them recut again because you can't find them but actually they're just in the coat that you hung up about six weeks ago i tell you what's a real glimmer it doesn't happen very often or at least not to me but when someone stops you in the street to tell you that they really like what you're wearing that's a real like day making glimmer of good feeling isn't it and I, and I think it's probably a good thing to always um, spread that around like manure and, and, and pass that on. And, I mean, go out of your way to give other people compliments in the street, don't you think? Yeah, but, and you know, it may sound shallow, but, you know, we all know what we've been through in order to get out and about these days. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We know what the gamut that we have run to be actually, like, standing there fully functional in actual clothes that work. So, frankly, hero, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's recognition, isn't it? It says, I see you. I know what you've been through. Or it just says, well done you. Yeah, well done you. And exactly. a well done, you know, particularly for a people pleaser, <laughs> is a really, you know, is, is, a, is, a, is, a powerful, is a powerful and nutritious thing. Um, I'll tell you what else I think gives joy. It's sort of low investment, high yield, this, is a really good chat with someone on the phone, like a little tiny phone party. You know, that extraordinary scenario where you decide you want to speak to X and then you have some kind of aneurysm and actually pick up the phone and call them. Because <laughs> yeah, you does forget that. who you are and why you're here. Yeah. And they have a matching aneurysm and they pick it up and they don't let the phone ring out. Uh, they, you know, you don't have to leave a voicemail or hope that they see the missed call or, or, or text them. Or, and, and then you both have both the time and the inclination to talk and you've avoided the dance of death of the back and forth. And you have a really, really nice conversation that reminds you of when you were a teenager mm. and you spent two hours a night on the landline driving your parents mad. And it feels like connection, even though you haven't had to leave the sofa or, or you know, put on clothes. I mean, who knew? Who knew the connection was important? Yeah. I mean, we'd certainly... Everyone, certainly... but yeah. <laughs> and they'd be telling us forever. I tell you another thing that gives me joy is... Well, are, actually, I was going to say, answers... I know that sounds like a sort of big catch-all, but little tiny solutions to things, to tiny little problems. Like I watched a reel the other day, um, and instead of hate liking it, um, I watched the whole thing, and I saw that the girl put elastic bands over her shirt sleeves so that she could bunch them up, and then they would stay up. And I thought, oh my God, I felt actual joy. I was like, this is a solution to something. I mean, it may cut off the circulation in my arm and it may, like, not work, but, you know, I'm going to give it a go. It's nice, isn't it, when something little slots into your head and you think, oh, you're right, I've just found the answer to this. This no longer needs to be a problem. It was only a small problem, but it's nice to remove a problem, whatever the size of the problem. Absolutely. Get it off your desk. Yeah, get it off your problem desk. It's like it's 4am in my case. and (laughs) It's always 4am in your case. You've been invited to something you've hate accepted consented to <laughs> and you've been panicking for weeks or even months about about what to wear because you really really your, your wardrobe isn't fit for purpose you don't have the money to go shopping for stuff you've been slightly sh- looking and shopping anyway but you don't like anything so you're not going to bankrupt yourself to buy something you don't like and it's been bothering you because you're worried that you're going to turn up there and you're going to look and feel wrong you don't need to look and feel sensational you just don't want to look and feel wrong and you suddenly remember that there's something tucked away in the back of the cupboard that might, 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 might work. It used to work, and it could possibly work again if you look at it from a different angle back to the geometry. So you pluck up the courage and you dig it out and you try it on. Because trying on clothes, I think, is... For me, it's always quite dangerous because I don't know how it's going to look and I don't know how my body's going to feel in it. I don't know how I'm going to feel about myself in it. But in this case, you you are brave and you try it on and it's going to work and you have something to wear. And you haven't spent any money on it. I'm now really panicking about what to wear for my 50th. Not my actual 50th, the 50th I'm going to. And we can discuss that later. That can be a project. (laughs) That's actually just making me feel sick. Yes, I know. You can come over and go through my wardrobe, which is of extremely useful quality of yours, again. My favourite thing Um, to do. Okay, another joy is when you catch sight of yourself in a shop window and you don't look like your mother. Oh, those. those, You don't think, oh, why is my mother there? You think, oh. There I am. <laughs> you know, that's getting rarer and rarer, isn't it? <laughs> yes. I avoid mirrors at all costs, really. It's just sort of, I, I tell you why, it's not because it's not because I hate myself so much. It's because I'm bored with the prospect of having to deal with the feelings about what I see. 
Oh, you know what I mean? A... So maybe I'll think, oh, you look nice. And maybe I'll think, oh my God, you look like a horror. But actually, I'm less and less interested. That's age, right? Yeah. And also a sense of, sort of practicality around it. I've got enough feelings. I don't want to add more feelings. I know. We want the feelings. I'll tell you what gives, me, what gives me a glimmer is when I have one of those rare and kind of organic moments of true gratitude. It's not because I'm writing a journal where I'm trying to every night write three things because that's going to make me more emotionally healthy and, and fulfilled. It's, a, it's like a cellular appreciation of the fact that I was born lucky, like I'm in a house and I'm warm yeah. enough and I, you know, yeah, that I'm safe nice. for now. Yeah, that quality and, protection. Yeah, yeah, and just to let that in and go, this is good. <sighs> yeah. yeah, that is good. That does feel joyful. Do you know, and I think this is all to do with my kind of broken personality, but um, I also, my biggest glimmers come from when people don't mind something I've done like when I've broken something like a like a plate or I've spilt something on something or I've scratched the car or whatever or when I've you've made a poor joke at someone's expense just because you're panicking and 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 worrying and they don't mind yeah but the thing is you think that this is about forgiveness but actually how often do you ever do any of those things that's just you live in constant fear of feeling that you need to be forgiven but actually you just need to forgive yourself because no one ever minded in the first place. There's um, nothing wrong about you. Okay, I need to forgive myself for all the things. Forgive my inner child. No, my inner child needs to forgive herself. I can't remember, but again, we can discuss it later. <laughs> I tell you what feels really right is when a song starts playing and it hits a button in you. Uh, and it's not, it hasn't been overplayed, so you don't feel a sort of ennui about it. It hasn't been underplayed, so it's not unfamiliar. But it just is an absolute pleasure to hear. And it takes you to a place of happiness. You know what came on the other day? A lot, this might be very overplayed for some people, but it's not for me. was Lovely Day by Bill Withers. Oh, and I felt like an all-over body glow. But, you know, it's like actually scientifically proven to have that effect. Yeah. Not that song particularly, but music. Because I listened to something on Radio 4 the other day that said that um, you can certain kinds of music can make food that you're eating taste sweeter. So it gives the illusion of sweetness, which is a kind of joy, right? How amazing is that? Play Lovely Day next time we're munching our way through a horrible woolly apple. Obviously, obviously I've now put it on my playlist and I've played it relentlessly for the last week and it's now over for me. But it was good. It was good while it lasted. Um, Do you know the other thing that's a glimmer is when you see a friend with whom things have been a little bit weird and... It's incredibly unweird. Yes, someone you've just sort of fallen out of touch with by mistake and you're worried it's strange and there's a reason you don't know about. Exactly. And And that's that's a very destabilising feeling, actually. Yeah, I agree. Weird feelings among friends is really, like, odd. And do you know what? Something happened to me the other day that was amazing was I... And actually, this was... I was cancelling someone who I'm frightened of cancelling. And by that, I... Obviously... You know, the point of this is is to say that we saw people and that it was fine. But actually, I was so worried about cancelling because I thought, oh, my God, they're going to think that I'm, you know, that there has there has been some weirdness between us and that this is just another kind of nail in our friendship's coffin. And they were so marvellous about it. It was absolutely wonderful. And they sent me a message the next day and said, you know, I hope you're okay. And I, I do think it's important to remember, you know, that when the chips are down, you can count on people to suspend with the weirdness. Well, if you can't count on people to suspend the weirdness, then they're not your people. Because you had a reason. I remember that cancellation. You had a very good reason for it. And if someone had said, if someone had been strange and resentful about that, then that would have been, that would have been a problem. Yeah. No, well, it's true. Well, I suppose maybe that's the other fear, isn't it? You just think, oh my God, is this, is this actually going to turn out to be a problem? Mm. Um, And also the relief when someone is marvellous. 
Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it gives you faith in everything, in them and your friendship and yourself. Because also you always feel a bit wrong. If you always yes. feel a bit wrong and a bit like, you know, like it's your fault, then, it, you know, then you always feel like you're not meeting expectations. Yeah, exactly. I'm like the opposite of exceeding expect. What is the opposite of exceeding expect? Exceed. To fall down. To fall down in expectation. I don't know. To fall below or something. Oh, that's Ooh. horrible. Below, below standards. Below. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we were talking about this the other day, actually, because you're really good at this and you do this so well for me. Um, and I'm sure listeners also feel like you do this very well, is that you put worries back in their place. You're extremely good at reprimanding the demon and sending it back to its room. Well, you really you are. maybe, not with myself, I'm just fierce. So I'm able to say to you, that is inappropriate. You can put that down now because you do yeah. not need to be feeling that. With myself, obviously everybody knows that I'm, you know... <laughs> Fully, fully destabilised all the time, except when I see fairy lights. Oh! Fairy lights are a glimmer. I don't care how, how, how shit or bedraggled they are. If it's dark and someone has bothered to put up some fairy lights, then they lift my heart. Oh, that's so nice. Well, In fact, I feel the same every way. winter I promise myself I'm going to put some solar-powered fairy lights in my tiny, tiny garden. And every winter I don't. Can you please make me? Yes, I will. I mean, good luck with that, but please try to make me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I will try and make you. I tell you what, in that vein, do you know what really, really never fails to lift my heart? What? Bunting. Bunting? Yeah, it makes me think of community and of celebration and of street parties when I was young. Did you go to many street parties when you were young? I did, oddly. Did you? Yes. I've never been to one. What? Not one? Not one. No, not one. Okay. Is that you, you look really sad now? Should I be sad? Is that something else for me to be sad about? The fact that I've never been to a street party. No, no, no. I don't mean to. I don't mean to make you feel sad about it. Sorry. <laughs> Should we have a street party? Oh my god, I'd love to have a street party. A mid-art street party where there would just be lots of you know, tweezers and neurofen, and you know, I'll hug you if that's all right, but not if you're <laughs> feeling prickly. <laughs> Exactly. And absolutely no, and loads of bunting that doesn't say live, laugh, love, or, or <laughs> yeah. you got this or anything like that. Exactly. And a little corner where you can just go and smash things. Oh my God. That was always the best. That's the, always the best stall is the one where you can just smash some crockery. Or are if anybody's interested are in throwing a middle... street parties? Mm, Aren't you talking about yeah. fairs now? Do you think that, you're, that you actually just went to fairs? I'm having no, trouble. No, 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 no. Definitely street parties. Where were like these mythical street parties? In Putney. <laughs> in Putney? Yeah. Do I need to go to Putney? I think you do. On a sort oh of God. mission, an expedition, a crusade, in fact. And I think if anybody wants to throw a street party with us, let us know. Because I think that would be joyful. Well, listen, I'm going to spend the next few days trying to see the glimmers rather than the triggers. So um, I guess we'll leave you with that improbably positive and hopeful thought friends and we are excited to talk to you again next week and thank you for everything thank you so much bye bye oh and stay tuned for a really useful chat about snacks mood food and the rest hi everyone we're thrilled today to have imogen woolsey here to basically tell us how to hack our food consumption yes not to get thin no, that's not what we're about. To get energetic, to get happy, 
<laughs> I'm really laughing now, sorry. <laughs> I know, it seems so impossible, doesn't it? To feel Just well. Eat yourself happier. I mean, well, I mean, to feel well, yes. But when we're talking about women who are in their 40s, generally, there's a big, big fatigue crisis going on. Mm-hmm. So what can you do that is low maintenance and isn't expensive and doesn't mean you have to whiz up smoothies with ghee and acai powder and bran in the morning that you can just get on your grocery order, whack in the fridge, whack out again and, you know, shove in your mouth, basically. Mm. Well, I think that when it comes to nutrition and food and diets, everyone overcomplicates it. And actually eating to have energy is not that complicated. It starts with the real basics like regular meals and regular snacks that are well balanced with macronutrients. So eating every three to four hours so that you keep your energy levels at an even consistency and you have balanced carbs, protein and fats. I mean, we have demonize carbohydrates, which is completely unfair because they are the body's main source of energy. And we're not talking about refined carbohydrates like biscuits and cakes, but complex oh, carbohydrates. <laughs> no, that's, that's so they're, mean. They're more interesting. But things like complex carbohydrates, so, you know, whole grain bread with a source of protein. Let's use the really basic example eggs on toast with a bit of avocado as your healthy fat that is a nutrient complete meal or snack that will keep you going for a while so that's one of my tips how do we feel about sweet things at breakfast we don't feel too bad about sweet things at (laughs) breakfast i think that it depends what we're having with those sweet things if you're waking up in the morning and all you're having is really basic, a chocolate bar with nothing else. Okay, that and a coffee, that's going to spike your blood sugars, that's going to send you, it's going to wire you for about an hour, so do what you can with that magic hour, and then you're going <laughs> to crash. But if you have your chocolate bar with, I don't know, a piece of whole grain toast, you have a yogurt with it, you have some milk in your coffee, you know, all these things that you can work around. So you don't have to cut out the chocolate or the sugar necessarily, but it's just about how to accommodate other things in your diet to keep yourself more even. I read something about the other day. It said, if you're going to have these very sugary things, they're going to, you know, flood your body with insulin, then, you know, you'll be borderline out of control. Just don't have them by themselves, as you say. Is that true? Yes, that is exactly right. They need security. um, They do, yeah, because pairing something like, not to use the example of a chocolate bar, but let's use a piece of fruit, which is also quite Exactly, that's where I was going. Obviously, you think I'm an absolute maniac. (laughs) No, I don't. I'm just talking in extremes. Snickers and coffee, that takes me back 20 years. (laughs) That that was a very good technique, thanks very much. (laughs) Snickers, coffee and pro plus. Um, Yeah, it never fails. That was me at university. But um, no, say you were to wake up and just have an apple in the morning with a coffee, Mm. okay, that's going to keep you going for a bit. But if you were to have an apple with some nut butter, for example, like you can get the little pots now from Pret, you can get apple and peanut butter together. And that is going to basically slow the rate of digestion. So it keeps you going longer. So the sugar basically lasts a bit longer when it's paired with the protein and the fat in the nut butter. Is apple and I'm going to say peanut butter, because I'm not a nutritionist, the perfect snack? I would be reluctant to say there is such a thing as the perfect snack, but I think it it rates pretty highly. What else? Yeah, what else? Starving, got no time. There's not going to be any smoothie blending or, you know, greens shredding. It's just going to be something that you can grab and run. What else? Okay, so I probably... Should I be keeping hard-boiled eggs in the fridge? I mean, that's a lot. That's great, definitely. Eggs are a great snack, but... 
keeping a hard boiled egg in the fridge is also just like a little bit weird sometimes. So, <laughs> <laughs> also, you might not want to do that. Eggs are a little bit weird. Stop it! You have a thing about eggs. Do you Go know what's energy. really good? You could just have a slice of cheese. Cheese has got protein. It's got fat. It's not sweet. It's savoury. It's not a bad option to have a cracker with a bit of cheese language. on it. A wheel of brie. <laughs> there we go. You. See, you do talk in extremes. Full license. <laughs> there we're going to be. So regular eating and making sure you don't just eat, you know, too much of one t- food type, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. I think having variety in our diets is really important. And that's not just for energy. That's for your mood. That's for your gut health as well. Like a varied diet is really key. Is there such a thing as good mood food? Yeah, I well, I mean, I think all food can be pretty, make you feel good. But there are a few extra considerations when it comes to good mood food. And by that, we mean basically supporting your mental health and your brain function. So, for example, there's an amino acid called tryptophan, which is found in high protein foods like turkey and walnuts. And tryptophan will be synthesized in the body into serotonin, which is our feel good hormone. So um, it's why everyone's so happy at Christmas. Christmas. (laughs) Exactly. And and why we always have walnuts at Christmas as well. Do you think that's that's like a season of of good cheer? Yes, exactly. That's why we've been dosed up. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so there's that. And then there's also omega-3 fatty acids, which have been proven to be associated with reducing levels of depression. And this is because omega-3 fatty acids will make up the membranes of the cells in our brain. So um, things like salmon, oily fish, really, really great for your mental health, your brain care. It's always oily fish. I just find that... Can I ask a really stupid question? How many walnuts... Do we have to eat to feel better? <laughs> I don't mean that. I mean, because... You like, mean what's a reasonable amount of nuts to eat? Exactly. A small like, handful. A small a, handful. In a, a day or in a go? In a, a small in handful. A... That's not as many as you can hold in your gnarled claw. No, it's not like a fistful. That's like a, that's like a dainty handful. That's like four walnuts, maybe. <laughs> okay, all right. That's what I was going to say. Okay, so four walnuts. No, but I always... I know that's a stupid question, but I'm always interested in amounts because... No, there is, one no could... that's fair. I was considering carrying almonds in my handbag, you know, because... Because you, when you do go, when you do feel very stressed and very hungry, and you've mistimed everything, and you don't want just to, you know, your day to fall off a cliff, then having a few almonds in your handbag is probably not a terrible idea. But it should be walnuts because walnuts. I don't like increase. walnuts. Well, almonds are no, okay, almonds right? Are great almonds have vitamin E as well. I See? mean, all all nuts are like a pretty yeah good source of nutrients in some form. What I will say about nuts as well, though, carrying them in your handbag to help with your digestion. So if we are thinking then more along the lines of gut health and um, digestion. Nuts can be quite taxing for the body to digest. So if you opt for something that's already been roasted or soaked and cooked already, that makes it slightly easier for your body to digest it and access the nutrients because a raw nut, that can take a while. Right. Okay. No raw nuts. (laughs) No raw nuts. (laughs) We hear a lot about gut health nowadays, gut brain connection, gut heart connection. It's how we think, how we feel. Everything is connected to the gut. Um, Are there any shortcuts to good gut health? What does good gut health look like, Imogen? Good gut health is personal, okay? It's different in everybody. It's individual. It's such a popular topic at the moment. And it's a difficult one to navigate our way around because we're still learning about what, you know, strains of bacteria do what, what will work in one person will work in the next, all of these things. But when it comes to good gut health, I kind of think about it in two ways. Good microbiome diversity, so the bacteria and the microbes in your gut, and then gut function. So both of these things need to be considered under the umbrella of gut health. 
and shortcuts that we can take? Well, again, it's kind of back to basics. So a varied diet that provides you with a whole array of micronutrients, macronutrients that will feed different bugs in your gut and help, you know, a growing, thriving ecosystem down there. Managing down your there. stress <laughs> down there, yeah, down, down there. Managing stress is really key for gut function um, because of what you've just said about the gut-brain axis. They are completely interlinked. It's a bi-directional communication system. So if you've got good stress coping mechanisms in place, then your gut is going to appreciate that and it's going to function basically better. Yeah, sorry, well, we laugh hysterically. <laughs> yeah, I know. Minutes. I know. I'm just thinking, yes, let's just be less stressed. <laughs> yeah, it's so easy. Just stress less. And things like getting outside, though, as well, can do both. Mm. Like getting outside in nature exposes you to a whole host of different microbes, but it also works on your parasympathetic nervous system. It can relax you too. So that's a nice thing to do. Okay, no um, more staring at the wall, ladies. Absolutely not. Um, get outside on a hot girl walk. But I think... <laughs> In terms of a shortcut, there is one thing I will say, obviously I'm going to say this, but a probiotic supplement can be really beneficial for some people who do want to just kind of kickstart, boost their gut health journey. There are lots of options out there. I work for Simprove, which is a water-based solution of live and active bacteria that is designed to help rebalance the gut microbiome. And it's really easy to take. You take a little shot first thing in the morning. What better way to start the day? And then you wait 10 minutes and you carry on doing what you want. And basically you've given your gut a little boost of good bacteria to protect you throughout the day. Before you totally decimate it with the coffee and the chocolate and the whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stress. At least you're doing one thing right. <laughs> At least I'm Do outside you know stressing. Doing one thing right is not to be underestimated. No, it's not. I mean, not. as far as I'm concerned, that means you've got credit in the bank. Yeah, yeah. small gains. And focusing on, I think with gut health, people can get kind of caught up in really going in on what's not good and what they need to take out and what they need to restrict, which not only can cause mental anxiety, but also physically doesn't help you because it reduces the diversity of your gut microbiome and it makes you stressed about what you're eating. When actually with gut health, a really nice approach is just focusing what you can bring in more of. and Abundance. Um, <laughs> yeah, we are all exactly. conductors of abundance so yeah. yes eat more yeah. good stuff don't worry about eating less or less bad stuff I think that's a really good way to approach it actually because yeah. there's so much less self-loathing and shame involved in that approach exactly I mean this sounds really dangerously close to common sense <laughs> I know I'm literally like this is brilliant thank you so much it's brilliant let's go and buy some turkey yeah <laughs> Imogen thank you so much for coming to see us oh thank you for having me absolute pleasure bye bye <laughs> bye this podcast was bravely brought to you by the gut supplement Simprove. Get your hands on 50% off the first three months at simprove.com forward slash the midult code midult50. Simprove for all your gut feelings. You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Midult. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe.